Yo, what's going on? Welcome to Otaku Beef. I thank you for listening. We're listening to some Tyler the Creator and his new album, now called Flower Boy, previously called Scumfuck Flower Boy, which the title they changed so that he could put it up on all the streaming channels, including iTunes. So here's my general opinion of the album. I think it's his best album by a a long shot. It's him not trying to present something that's consistent concept, but he's trying to consistently present himself and represent who he is and what's really on his mind. The, uh, the feelings of loneliness, the insecurities, the, uh, possible homosexuality, the, uh, the ego of brilliance. He's very open and very bare and just in the, the realm of his, who he is at the at, at the moment. So this album has some of his best bars. Like if you think about his best rhymes from a lot of his projects, a lot of times he'll come really direct or he'll hit you with something that's just kind of like in your face and he doesn't he would wouldn't do as complex uh, rhymes as say Earl Sweatshirt would do. I think on this album, he legitimately just decides, I'm just going to go off. And I, I, I really think it's because of Kendrick Lamar. I really do. Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole repopularizing lyricism for everybody who's not making trap beats. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. So we keep getting all these amazing albums. We had Damn. We had... 444 uh, Boomiverse which I've only heard is good I haven't heard I haven't listened to it yet my homie's been getting on me about that one and uh, Scumfuck Flower Boy and a bunch of other indie projects which are real fire and it's like we keep being given like these presents like (laughs) it's it's amazing i just literally love good albums i love when i can get a project that's going to come out and be something that's unique and i feel like it's going to have some lasting staying power uh so what else can we say about this album because i'm not a i'm not a music critic i don't even really like talking about the stuff in music that i don't like and for whatever reason I just don't. It's weird because I don't mind when saying when something is bad when it has to do with storytelling because uh, for a lot of you guys know I'm a writer too. I wrote and have written several books and so I've been trying to get published for a while. At the same time, I'm making music, but it's like it's a different part of my of my being, almost as if the music side of me is far more sensitive to the feelings of the artist and the writing side of me is far more eager to share logic with the reason side of the writers i don't know why but that's just how i feel so i love when a project like this comes which is brilliant and i can just talk about it and I can really, really enjoy uh, all the positive things that I can say and I'm about to say. I think he just sounds incredibly comfortable uh, on these tracks. 
he you can you can see really see the progression of where he was and where he was trying to get to on this album if i if you listen to like cherry bomb it felt like a deconstruction um he deconstructed his psyche and his previous style and then he was just playing with the pieces experimenting seeing what he liked what he didn't like and then every now and then you would get something brilliant like the track he had with uh, Lil Wayne or you would just get something that sounded kind of okay but the lyrics weren't there there was no direction it was disjointed but it was still like okay this is the vibe but then you listen to this and you're like oh yeah he got to that sound. He was able to solidify and really actualize what he was trying to do in his previous album. So that's the feeling that I get from this. Let's do one more dive in and So I think that that song that just played, if you guys are listening live, and I think that you should to get the full effect, was Pothole by, I think Jaden Smith is on the hook. And uh, he's doing, he and I wonder if he and Vince Staples actually had a conversation about this. How Tyler the Creator does, is not putting the features in the uh, song titles like everyone does. And Vince Staples had mentioned that when he was on The Breakfast Club about how that's how it used to be. Where you didn't have to list every single feature that was on the song. The artist, the song was just by the artist. And he said that it's corny. I don't know if it's corny, I just know that that's what people have been doing to give more people more looks, I think. But Tyler the Creator did the same thing on this album and I'm finding myself kind of guessing to try and see who the uh, features are because I'm not really going to read the log lines, uh, probably at all. Um, in addition to that, I just love the soundscape of this album. I think it's super positive. And his, he came from this place where his early stuff, like Bastard, that's that that shit was crazy. A lot, very, 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 very dark. So if you were into that type of style, it would be potentially appealing. If you weren't, it'd be a little bit put off, which was a shame because they were rhyming and the beats were interesting and they were coming unique. And then, um, then he had Goblin, which was dark, but it didn't feel as sharp or as harsh, I should say. It almost felt like the previous one was intense, and then the next step up was almost like modified spectacle as opposed to uh, re real receptacle. So this sound, on the other hand, we got the Cherry Bomb, it was more mischievous, but he really wanted to almost say I am an artist and on this one here's the artistry here is the 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 new type of artistry so my it's 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 very similar like if you go go and listen to the career of Childish Gambino and he his first couple of mixtapes I think they're called I Am Just a Rapper and I'm Just a Rapper 2. And then he had Cul-de-Sac. And then he had the EP before his first album. And all of his music was, he was like, I'm a rapper, 
I'm cool even though I'm nerdy. I'm a rapper. I'm cool even though I'm nerdy. It was sharp, intense. Then cul-de-sac, he was a little bit more at ease, but it was like, look, I'm nerdy. But it was almost like, here's the portrayal of nerdy as almost like a play, similar to uh, Goblin. Then his album came out and he's like, yeah, I'm a nerdy, but people are treating me different. I'm getting kind of cool now and like how the EP was. And then fast forward and you have Because the Internet where he just sort of embraces it. But he's almost like not pushing towards I'm a rapper, just like I rap. And at the same time, I have this other soulful side. And then Because the Internet is the full artistry of himself laid bare and that's what this album reminds me of the 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 personalness of how he's opening up about things like he feels alone and he feels even when he's feeling high on himself and he's dope in life he still feels a little isolated and a little just not quite with it like out of place and then you know, trying to just stay the course, but then feeling warnings from his mother and um, the notes where he's talking about homosexuality and is he actually coming out of the closet or is he not? And the acceptance of himself as opposed to looking for the acceptance of others is what it feels like. I think this is a very good album. I think it's very, very positive. Uh, I really highly recommend it. And uh, I think he's just a dope artist. I prefer this tile of the creator the same way I prefer the current Charles Gambino, not because I don't love the others, but because it feels like they feel like themselves, and I'm all for people being who they are. Thanks for listening to Otaku Beef. I started over because the first things out of my mouth were like hostile and combative, as if I was daring people to like, I'm going to do what I want. Like, what am I, eight? Anyway. Thank you for listening to uh, my podcast. If you are, just want you to know that I really, I truly, 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 truly do thank thank you. The fact that anybody would sit and listen to anything that comes out of my head or out of my brain or any words that I'm saying really means a lot. Um, To get really in depth with you guys, the reason is because... I always felt like I was never listened to, and I still do in some avenues of my life, where people always tend to do or listen to my advice or listen to uh, whatever my thoughts after the fact, and then they're like, oh man, I can't believe everything worked out. And I'm like, yeah, but I told you to do this, or I told you this would happen. Like... It's a little bit of a frustration, so that's one of my sensitive areas, uh, if you guys are curious. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know a lot of people feel like they're not really heard, like they're shouting into the wind or into the hallway or whatever. But why was I saying that? Yeah, just I, I want I, I, I wanted to thank you guys because it really means a lot. Every single like pair of ears, everybody whom comments or calls in or just loves games, loves anime, loves hip hop like I do. I just love being around you guys. I love just being able to converse and share my ideas and then listen to some of other podcasts and see other ideas. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's a beautiful thing. It's super blessed. It's a super blessing. And, uh, yeah, 
So anyway, <clears throat> in addition to that, let's talk about this Ready Player One trailer. I'm just going to give you a little bit of my um, my feelings on on the on this particular uh, story. So Ready Player One, it's a book by Ernest Klein, which I bought when I want to say when it came out. It's been some years, and. It's probably one of the best, most interesting science fiction stories we've had in a long time. Uh, if you're an avid reader, kind of like the ultimate science fiction story is Ender's Game and Foundation series um, and a few others. And I, I mainly read fantasy, but Ready Player One is almost like a dystopian fantasy story or dystopian science fiction story where the world has kind of gone to shit, but everybody lives in a virtual world called the Oasis. So you, everyone has a headset, you plug in, and most people consider the Oasis to be the real world. So the creator of the Oasis dies. Don't worry, this is in, literally in the prologue of the book. But then he says, oh, I hid clues throughout the Oasis so that whoever is worthy gets to take over my massive empire. And so that's how it starts. The most famous man in the world dies. This is if Steve Jobs dies and then says, hey, just so you know, there's a clue in Apple technology somewhere. And whoever answers these clues is true, truly worthy of being the next um, CEO of Apple computer or Apple. And it's so funny because this book came out um, not too long after Steve Jobs died, actually. And there was the, maybe it was like a year or half a year or something. My numbers are probably off, but it was around the time Steve Jobs had already passed and people were passing around the Steve Jobs biography, which sold tons of copies. And I've heard it's a fantastic read, but... It was very real and it really hit home. And it's just one of those great stories that just feels right. It feels genuine. So this trailer captures that. From what I can tell, it feels real. I mean, Steven Spielberg is directing it so they can take some chances. But go watch it if you're curious at all. It looks has some breathtaking looking action, great colorization. It feels like this is going to work. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the next trailer, which is Justice League. All right, so the Justice League trailer also hit at Comic-Con. Um, I usually don't watch trailers. Well, here's, what, here's actually my rule. I don't watch trailers for movies that I care about. And I do watch trailers if I don't give a shit about the movie or... I like already know the story, so it's not a big deal if it gets spoiled. Like I watched the trailer for Ready Player One because I read the book. Uh, fucking great book. Go read the book if you want. You're gonna get just as much entertainment as if when the movie comes out, probably. And it's gonna last longer. Or if you just feel like waiting for the movie and you want to do it in reverse, it's just as good. It's a it's a great little adventure story. Um, and then there's Justice League. I don't really care about this movie because. Batman v Superman was hor horrendous. It was a terrible representation of Superman as a character and Batman as a character. No, no, and Bruce Wayne as a character. 
No, Batman a little bit too, because he was he was killing killing people, but it just it just wasn't a good film. And I'll, I'll actually give my breakdown of why that Superman film doesn't work, and uh, why people who don't understand why it's important to adapt stories in an appropriate manner that maintains the um, the, the the sameness of the story. Which is because the the framework of the actual story is built around the pillars of the character archetypes. So when the character archetypes are different, they may be the wrong pillars to support uh, the story, as it were. Or if you change the story, instead, that also may not work in terms of making sure that the, uh, the, the, the story stays upright. They may be the wrong pillars, but people don't get that. They just don't get it. Uh, which is why the Netflix Death Note is going to be pieced together with Dodge Tape. I don't think it's going to be terrible, actually. I think it's going to be um, pretty B minusy. Like, I think it's going to be decent enough to where it gets a pass, but it's not good enough to be good. Like, maybe C plus, B minus, around that range. So, this Justice League movie doesn't really look great. It just looks like you kind of want to see it, see how they are doing the DC characters in real life. Um, Superman was not done very well in terms of this is Superman. Uh, Batman in the in this movie was just very odd and different. Not a great detective. No real uh, anything good except for the actual way that they did Batman and how he fights the criminals and. The actual way that they showed Batman, i.e. Ben Affleck, doing that massive, crazy training, that was money right there. Those bits, the Batman fighting and Ben Affleck training, were so well done. And they felt a little bit like the character. So I, I dug that. When Batman is trying to do this detective work and he's getting caught really easily and he's not really good at knowing what's what and he can't keep up and he's really shitty and terrible, I was like, this doesn't feel like Batman. It doesn't make it bad. It just makes it wrong. Like the wrong uh, sense. The wrong sense for that particular character. And when I look at this movie, it feels a little bit less... It doesn't feel like it's going to be as off as the previous ones were. Though, I think the one... like I think the characters that they're creating... Are gonna kind of fit. I think Cyborg is gonna fit in this world based on what I saw in the trailer. He looks incredible. The the visually, he just looks like the character. Maybe if a little smaller. I love how they changed Aquaman because Aquaman is just a character that people can't get behind. It looks like they basically made him Namor. He's got like kind of more of a badass attitude, not just kingly, but just like outcast, like Wolverine. And I think he's going to work for this film. Is he a good adaptation of Aquaman? I have no clue. I've never read a single Aquaman comic book. I have read some Justice League comic books with him in it, but he just felt noble and quick to anger. But Jason Momoa has so much personality. It's going to be hard not to love Aquaman. Um, The Flash... I don't know. I, I, I really like the one on TV. I wish that our Barry was going to be in this instead of this kid. But overall, you know, the trailer is average. It looks visually stunning, but the story may probably going to be bad.
Hey, what's going on? This is Zid Raw. Welcome to Otaku Beef. I figured that since we're on the subject, I'm just going to go ahead and keep the party going. Let me give you guys my full opinion on why Man of Steel, the movie, didn't work. Why it was actually a, a bad movie. And the reasons why it doesn't work is because of how they changed Superman as a character. In a general sense, Superman is... He's like the model of like ideas and ideals. Meaning, he is the representation of the ideal man. His strength, his power his skill, his flight, everything that makes him magical is otherworldly, things that he can't control. But everything that makes him Superman, caring about others, the need to try to save any everyone, that all comes from what was learned behavior that he got here on Earth from Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben from his uh, mom and pa, Kent. Superman was born in the United States of America, in Kansas. You get what I'm saying? The powers, that just makes him a strong dude. But what makes him Superman and not Super Krypton, Kryptonite or Super Kryptonian, that was instilled to him in Kansas. That is not the case in the movies. The And here's the reason why it doesn't work. It's not that that type of story isn't a good story or can't be a compelling story. It's that 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 type of story would naturally generate a completely different framework. What I was just talking about earlier, how when you do an adaptation... You have to maintain the soul of the characters because those are the pillars that hold up the structure that is the, the, the story. So when you change the pillars, the structure, the actual story falls flat. It doesn't work. When you make Superman a little bit self-involved, a little bit standoffish, We make him uh, extra emo where he should be celebrating his style and his ability to do what he's doing, but he can't because he feels bad for himself. And when, when, when the values that his, his, his father instills in him are essentially protect your secret, no matter what, even at the cost of others run away, doing the right thing is not reward enough. It's better to live in the shadows. That type of character, that pillar, can't sustain the structure of a hero who saves everyone. Because because if we were to follow that natural thread of that character, he wouldn't be a Superman. He may be a hero, but he would be more cynical. He'd be more willing to, to look out for himself. He'd be more... 
Um, he'd be more utilitarian instead of egalitarian. So when you get this character who's like, oh, I got to save everyone. You're like, why? Because in the story, they never told us why he would want to save everyone. You see what I'm saying? So if you're building that type of pillar, the framework that it's supposed to sustain, it can't because it doesn't match. The bolts don't fit. It can't. A, a, a cynic Superman doesn't work. That's a different character. So when you have him flying and fighting Zod and protecting the city to make sure, yeah, you get wanton destruction because once they start letting it feel natural, they're like, yeah, this Superman is naturally careless. And it just didn't work. So I hope you guys can kind of see what I'm getting at with the Man of Steel, how I feel as if because of how the character was originally created, that's the world that was established. So when you change the character, the framework really doesn't fit the newly generated or newly updated character anymore. And when that happens, you end up with a movie like The Man of Steel, which despite its scale and despite its ambition, for whatever reason, you just don't like. And you don't really know why. Well, this is why. The pieces don't fit. Simple as that. Whenever you are writing a story, the story has rules based on the world that you establish. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of a lot of shows like Gossip Girl, why I'm so impressed with The Fast and the Furious. There's a reason why those stories, though, that, that, that show and, um, and that movie, there's a reason why they work. It's because of the rules. The rules that they establish in the show are consistent across the board. In uh, Gossip Girl, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a teen uh, dramedy, basically a drama, but it was a TV show, very, very popular, about very rich kids in New York who go to a very exclusive private school for the elite. And there is somebody called Gossip Girl whom is writing a gossip blog and sending out text blasts whenever she catches somebody doing something unsavory, you know? Gossip, drama, that type of thing. In this world, all the friends are extremely rich. They throw extravagant, unsupervised parties, very complex, expensive parties all the time. The characters are very fashionable. Even the ones who aren't even the ones who aren't cool or who aren't who are kind of the lame characters, they're fashionable in their own way. They're like, well, he's a nerd, but he still knows how to how to rock a plaid jacket, like like that type of stuff. It's so detailed that all of the character archetypes that are created fit that show perfectly the way that they have 
the cool characters, what makes them cool is their ability to um, to attain and retain status and to afford status to whomever is the protagonist at the moment, the main characters. Um, it's 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 just it's just consistent throughout, so it doesn't throw people off. And when you do, when you tell the right story that suits the parameters that you've established, the people who are looking for that type of story are going to watch because it's not about being good or bad. It's about whether or not the story is satisfying to the viewer. So if you are a football fanatic and you just need an accurate portrayal of the football life, accurate stats, talking about real stuff, and then somebody comes out with a drama, um, say there was a dramatized version of Hard Knocks, of, of Hard Knocks, and it was accurate, and it used real player names and locations, you're in. For as many good or, or terrible seasons as there are, you are in because it's satisfying, it's that itch that you have. Same with the Fast and the Furious. Cars are ridiculous. Whomever is in those situations is really able to get these super elaborate and expensive cars. All these cars are, are, are zooming on the highways. They're able to get away from cops pretty easily. All the characters are consistent. People, people add car jargon in everyday talk because that's the world. Superman went against the world or what it was trying to do is trying to rewrite the world with the same archetype it just doesn't work you gotta have rules that you create but if you create those rules you better damn well follow them